0: Well, welcome to Dilly Ding, Dilly Dong, the Leicester Mercury's Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. I'm joined today by James the sharp End Sharp. And we're going to be dissecting uh, City's victory over Watford at the King Power Stadium on Saturday and assessing where they are in the grand scheme of things. Mm. Where our, our city now at Clawpole has had a decent spell of... Uh, of time in charge of the club and we've seen a bit of an evolution of the side in terms of the playing and the personnel. And before we get underway though, let's just like to remind you to head over to beer52.com if you like beer and you want some free beer. That's the place to go, use the tagline Leicester to register and you can be enjoying eight beers from around the world. And all you gotta do is pay for the postage and packing. Now then, pretty convincing victory over Watford in in stark contrast to the the defeat at uh, Vicarage Road on Boxing Day. And I suppose with the two games being so close together,
1: we can really truly assess yeah. how this team has progressed since that defeat uh, a lot i think is the is the short answer to that um colby said in his press conference afterwards that he felt that leicester could have won by more goals and i think i think you'd probably agree with that if they'd been a little bit more accurate and precise in the final third because they created quite a lot of openings but then the final ball would either be a bit too heavy or slightly misplaced um but other than that, as soon as, as, soon as, as soon as Vardy scored the penalty and that, that they went ahead, there's only really going to be one winner after that and a bit of magic at the end by Mares just rounded it off. But compare that to the Boxing Day game where Leicester just couldn't deal with the physicality of Watford and the two goals from set plays. Leicester ironed that out a little bit and also Puella talked before the game and also after the game about how if you try and just... Outmuscle them, the game becomes a lottery as he called it, whereas if you can get the ball on the floor, play it around them show a bit more quality then you can win the game that's what they did. But you've still got to have that physicality about you and I I saw a difference in in City's
0: physicality to the game at Vicarage Road. I mean the first couple of minutes they had to defend three or four corners straight away and I think that set the tone then because they cleared them uh, quite comfortably Mm. and they grew in confidence uh, thereafter. Also I noticed as well Troy Deeney Outmuscled Maguire to win the first header of the game, and after that, he didn't get another header. Yeah, Maguire was on top of him. So City certainly had improved in that in that uh, area as well. And it, it's great that you you know Pilk said he's right. You get the ball down, you play against these sides because you you know you're better footballers than them. Yeah, but you've got to earn the right to play your football. You've got to earn the right to to, to have that space to play. And uh,
1: I think City uh, certainly did that. Um, so that was one area where we said in the build-up that. Leicester should be better footballers than them, but we've seen now Achilles' heel, not even just a heel, ankle, shin, leg, is their defending a set of set pieces. It appears that they've worked on that now, though, and. You say he didn't really look troubled No, let's, let's talk about the, the defending Harry Maguire uh, captured a lot of the headlines
0: A lot of the, mm. the Nationals picked up on his performance Great tackle uh, Fantastic block on, on Andre Gray I mean Watford only really threatened on a couple of occasions yeah. in the game But that was a really key moment 1-0 up You know, We had in the back of our minds that comeback from Watford in the first game uh, City's slender lead Andre Gray threw on goal And Maguire comes from nowhere to pull off yeah. a fantastic block But that was uh, systematically his whole game I thought he was excellent defensively as well I've been a little critical of, it, of him at times yeah. this season when he's got too tight or he's gone no man's land he either goes too tight or he got he, oh, he got, turn, he got too turned f- by Mo
1: Salah didn't he at Liverpool
0: yeah he did and now well, you put that down to genius I'm thinking more of the Di one where yeah. he got way too tight there and at Stoke when Shakiri scored yeah. he got caught in no man's land and that left a lot of space but he seems to really learn and we, and we forget he's only 24 yeah. and it's been a big learning curve for him this season especially with the England call up as well but he looks like he's going to be the first name, one of the first names on that team show. I, mean, I think Jamie Vardy and Riyad Mara are probably the yeah. first two names, and Kasper Schmeichel. But uh, <coughs> besides them, Harry
1: Maguire, probably now, first yeah. choice out of the back four. You'd imagine so, yeah. And I, I think, it's funny, someone on social media the other week posted saying, if you could have a, if your team could be made up of 11 of one individual in your team, it sounds odd, but who would it be? And I went with Maguire because... His all-round game is there. He's big. He's strong. He defends really well. But with the ball at his feet, as we've seen a lot, he brings it out. He's got quality. he Can pass the ball. We saw it against Manchester. He can. If he's in the box, he can. He can finish as well. He seems like an, all, like an all-round quality player who is only who is only going to improve and has improved a lot already under Puel. But it doesn't look like a stereotypical footballer. No, it does <laughs> no. I remember when we spoke to um, the guys at the Hall Daily Mail, when that's let's going to sign him, and you asked the question of what's he, what's he like. And I remember the guy on the end of the phone said, He doesn't look like a footballer. It looks like everything is all a bit wrong, everything's in the wrong place, but it all works. And with the ball at his feet, he looks like he's a. A classy footballer. That's how it. That's how how it works. Well, like we spoke to Casper Smickle
0: after the game, and we asked him about Maguire and his performances, and he said uh, he's fantastic with the ball to feet, loves to play. Perhaps he loves to play too much at times. So you yeah. can imagine Casper <coughs> giving him rock off from behind him every time he's dribbling out and, trying yeah, and taking exactly. people
1: on from the back four. But he, he doesn't seem to get caught on the ball, does he? No, I mean, I think that's something he's worked on as well. Early on in the season, there was that game against Liverpool where he ran forward a 1-2 broke down, they lost possession and they counter and scored. That seems to happen less now, he seems to pick his moments better, he seems to be more aware of the situation and anticipate more, and Pwell's mentioned that since in, in when he's been asked about Maguire. It also helps when you've got players who can read the game well, when Ebora plays he drops in, when Silva plays in the FA Cup he drops in, um, Matty James will do the same as long as you've got players around you who know what they're doing and read the game, it gives you a bit more licence to do that. But like you say, he has picked his moments better. And he's only getting better.
0: Well, who would have thought, towards the end of last season, when we had a back four of Danny Simpson, yeah. Christian Fuchs at full-back, and Robert Hoof and Wes Morgan at the centre-back, the, the back four that won the title with, yeah. with City uh, a couple of years ago, that you know, we'd be midway through this season and not one of them in the side?
1: No, I know. And... Are they going to get back in the side as well? If we go through it, it looks as though now Ben Chilwell has usurped Christian Fuchs' first choice left-back. We thought this would be the case during Christmas where they were chopping and changing because of the fixture schedule. Then at Chelsea away, Chilwell was selected. That was the big moment. And we, we, I remember you say, we're saying that. that's a big game away from home and he's gone with Chilwell over Fuchs. He, he went with the youthful ex, uh, exuberance of Chilwell That attacking uh, intent
0: from Chilwell Rather yeah. than the experience And a bit more defensive security Of Christian Fuchs And I think that was an indication of, where, of Puel's approach that day He thought yeah. we're, we're going to take the fight to them Let's go for it um, Rather than sit back and, so- and soak up pressure Because if you're going to sit back and defend You, you pick Fuchs yeah, Chilwell is great going forward, and I thought that really was a statement of intent. Yeah, and he, and seem- he
1: seems to be kept his his place now for the big games. Yeah, he has, and I thought he was. I thought he played well against Watford. I thought he was good, and he's only going to improve. Um, Daniel Amati got written off by a few of us actually when he. I- got- Said in yeah. no way
0: is he a right back. After no, I no, you know. Awful cameo as a against substitute Man- against Man United. Yeah, Danny, Danny Simpson.
1: Simpson comes off injured, and then the next choice right back comes on and gets sent off after 16 minutes. You're thinking Leicester really are short in that position. But credit to him in the last five games, five fixtures in a row, he, he's developed and he's grown, and he's impressing more and more. You'd imagine Danny Simpson would come straight back into the side when fit because he's more consistent, but. Marty's only 23 and there's still loads of room to improve there. So He could have a future in that position. I think he's been progressively <coughs> learning the, the, uh, yeah. the position. His positioning now is, is,
0: is spot on. He's mm. covering his centre back on the far post. He's, he's supporting uh, the man in front of him when he can, but he's not overlapping and bombing on too much, leaving them exposed. He's playing a very mature game at right back. It's an understated game. I think that's what City needed with Danny Simpson injured.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And, uh, and he, uh, we say he's impressed. Also, he's, he's growing into that role well and learning quickly. And there's another player who seems to be de- developing quickly under Claude Puel, who is has taken the club from 18th in the Premier League. Well, obviously Michael Appleton was in charge. But when Shakespeare sat there were 18th, now they're 7th. And in doing so, he's developed the style of play and is incredibly developing young players which is a huge achievement for someone who most people thought was quite an un- uninspiring choice but then like we say so then you've got Maguire who is growing and growing and he, and Dragovic who is only a loan signing well, let's but... talk about that because he's replacing Wes Morgan and I, again I spoke to Casper about Dragovic's
0: performances which you can read on the Merkur website later today nice when book. he's talking about um Dragovic coming in And he said It's not been easy For Dragovich Because he's replacing One of our best players Where's yeah. Morgan But now you've got The situation And it's the same With Amati When Simpson and Morgan Are both fit And, and available Would Puel, Puel Change a back four That's kept five Consecutive clean sheets With those two Playing in every game
1: <sighs> It'd I mean, be a big call It would be a big call And it would be It would be a harsh call It'd be, if If he does Go with Simpson and Morgan to come Straight back not forgetting Robert Huth is now coming back from a long-term injury and he's going to be give competition. It'd be hugely harsh on Amarty and Dragovic, who have done, have done excellently. And it looks like Maguire and Dragovic are starting to understand each other in that central defensive partnership. They're learning, they're working off each other and developing a, a strong understanding. So it would be a huge call. I think it will be a call that he makes,
0: though. Because I think so as well. I think he's... he's uh, He's brave enough to make those, uh, those big, bold decisions. Dragovic is an interesting one for me, isn't yeah. it? Because obviously signed in the last uh, transfer window uh, on a loan from Bayer Leverkusen by a previous manager. new manager comes in, and he has to wait until Boxing Day to make his Premier League debut. Then he's played out of position at right-back, a position yeah. he admits he's never played in before, <laughs> or even trained in before. Um, so his story is quite remarkable, isn't it? Now he's coming to the side and,
1: and uh, established himself. Yeah, like I say, it's a huge task to replace Wes Morgan, who's played almost every minute of almost every game since he's joined the club. But he's done that well. And it's interesting to see what they will do at the end of the season because, as we know, he's only a loan signing at the minute. But there is an option there to make... it, It seems like there's an option there to make it permanent, if they so wish. If he continues to play as he is playing now and developing and forming a bond with the, with the defense that there is there, there, there at the minute, I could see Leicester making this a permanent deal. I can as well. And yeah. I think, certainly think there, um, the urgency to
0: get some deals done uh, in this January transfer window, which was notoriously difficult to operate in, and yes. certainly you pay over the odds in January, I think that's really been uh, lessened now by the the performances of Dragovic and and the development of um, uh, Amate. But we talked about the new guys coming into the side, but it's the tried and trusted duo, wasn't it, that won the game for City on Saturday, Riyad Mahrez and Jamie
1: Vardy once again. What would City do without them? Oh, I know. Um, What will they do without them? And at some point in the future, they are going to have to figure out what to do without them, because for all of the excellence of the team... Behind them, the team is is built for Mares. The, the team's function is to allow Mares and Vardy to win games of football, and they do that, and they have always done that, and they will always do that while they are at Leicester. Of course, there's the future of Riyad Mares that is constantly asked about. So every, press every press conference. conference so every press conference. Every so at, some, at, at some point, whether it is this month or whether it is in the summer, Mares. The chance of Mahrez being at Leicester becomes less and less. Vardy is now 31. In the future, not now, not, not next season, but at some point Leicester will have to try and replace both of them. They are huge shoes to fill because they are both superb footballers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, his goal at the end yeah. was the icing on the cake, wasn't it? But it was Jamie Vardy that uh, got them ahead, winning his 13th
1: penalty. That's yeah. quite a phenomenal record. You, at pace in the box and he forces you to make a decision but because it happens so quick so fast the decision has to come quickly and it's often it can be if you wait too long you dive in and you, and you take him down and Vardy is a master at winning them he'll, he'll do that thing where he gets across you waits for contact forces the contact goes to ground and sort some referees give them some referees now John Moss for one have started to become a bit more astute at what Vardy's tried to do, but there's no debate about Molowagu's lunging tackle on it. And there
0: was no debate about
1: the uh, the finish either. No, it looks like he has changed his approach penalty. He was a him down the middle now. Vardy has always been a whack the bloody thing as hard as possible and if the goalkeeper guesses the right way, hope it probably will take the goalkeeper in with him. But since then, he, he's, he'd missed three of his, two of his last three um, in the shootout against Man City and against Liverpool because it seemed like he'd become a bit more predictable. But this one was more about placement and coolly stepped up and rolled it into the bottom corner. And if Vardy... looks like he's been practising them. If Vardy can add a bit of placement as well as his power... That makes him a lot less predictable from the penalty spot and a much better penalty taker. And
0: what about Mares' finish? That was a fan... I mean, Paul Gascoigne was looking on from the stands and that was... Um, you're probably too young to remember, but he used to drive into the box like that, yeah. commit a defender, then play it, shoot across the keeper into the far corner. He used to do that on a regular basis and that's what Mahrez did.
1: Oh, I know, yeah. And I know a lot of people were saying that it hadn't really been his most effective game up until that point. And... But it's interesting, though, how... Key, he's become under
0: Pearl. Pearl's yeah. put a lot of faith in him, hasn't he? He's, he's given him the license to come inside and get on the ball. He's, he's coming deep to get on the ball and get involved a lot more in the play. He's not uh, sticking out on the flank uh, like he used to to do before, and you know, that which used to mean that
1: it you know, was easier for teams to double up on him, to yeah. triple up on him on, on occasion. He's got a lot
0: more we're freedom fi- under. Pearl.
1: Well, we're finding now, aren't we? Well, I think, I, we mentioned it when it happens in the press box, and we've we've seen it a few times now where. Morris is now able to get into one-on-one situations more than he had been before, and I imagine a lot of this is because of that free role he's now given. Puel has given him to not do what he wants, but he's given license to use his creativity to drift across and find those spaces, and he's doing that really, really well. The goal was a case in point. He was left on a one-on-one. Exactly, went he, on the outside of the defender and cut across, the, like, shot across. The I goal know. People. Obviously, last season, Morris wasn't. It wasn't at his best and struggled. But a lot of the time, he was doubled up and tripled up on. Even if you get Morris in a one-on-one situation, Morris will win more times than he, than he than he won't do, and he's been able to do that. And I know fans were were were, were moaning a little bit about how he'd had a he had a difficult game up until that point, but in the title-winning season, Morris excuse me, Morris had had games where he didn't do very much. Watford away in that title-winning season be a case in point, where he'd have. A very quiet eighty minutes, and then out of nowhere, would conjure up something magical to, to win a game, which he did there. He did on did on um, on Saturday. It would be more annoying when Mares is dancing past defenses wearing a team shirt other than Leicester's than it is annoying to see him have a quiet seventy minutes and then do something. Well, magical. let's talk about his future then, because we know he wants a a, a, a move, mm.
0: preferably to England staying in England uh, to a Champions League side, yeah. but nobody's coming for him yet. No, nobody's shown um, their colours at the moment. or played their cards, and um, longer you go on, you think, well, where would he be better off than being at City? City's seventh now; they are the best of the rest outside that top six that he know. that he covets. But I
1: none of them are coming in for him. So where else should he be? No, exactly. I mean, I, I, I tweeted last week when Arsenal looked really poor and lost. I know they. Were Dismantled Crystal Palace at the weekend, but and Arsenal have been the only real team that have shown any kind of vocal interest in him. In that Wenger's said how much he likes him, and Mares even admitted himself that he had talks with Arsenal over last summer. Talk is cheap, but Mares isn't. Ver- exactly can show so. You money, if you want. Yeah, to exactly so. Him. But I tweeted last week that uh, Real Madrid wants to play football for a team that's going to win t- win trophies. And playing the Champions League, and at the minute, Arsenal do not look like that kind of club. If our, if Mares wants to leave for those things, don't go to Arsenal. You're too good for that. But then you're looking ahead of that, and Man City and Man, U, you can't, I can't see them coming in for him. And Tottenham and Liverpool, Liverpool have already said they're not interested. I can't. I, the options, like you say, are dwindling as to who would want Mares and. That's I think a, they'd like him. They'd like him, but, but well, they pay not the money. That yeah,
0: but not at the f- the f- the figure that Leicester City would be demanding. Oh. I mean, Paul joked the other week that
1: he'd be worth 100 million pounds now, but I don't think he'd be no. that
0: too far off that.
1: No, it's, and I know we've had we had a debate today on the sports desk about whether Mares or why Mares is deemed. When we've mentioned before that he has the same Premier League record as as Coutinho, and Coutinho is courted by Barcelona at four four five bids up to 142 million. Why does Mares not? Warrant that same kind of in- interest or willingness to, to to pay out that kind of money, but at the minute he he doesn't, and that's, that's great news for Leicester fans, and because it means that he's he's un- unlikely to go anywhere. But I know people think he's he's un- inconsistent and can drift out of games. You look at the likes of you look at the likes of Coutinho and, and, and other mercurial players, they do have tendencies to drift out of games, but win games of football with their individual brilliance which Mahrez does and if no one wants to bid that much money for him
0: I'm happy with that well let's talk about uh, the transfer window then it's been a very quiet one yeah so far Facini Diabati was on the bench uh, so Pio uh, was true to his word that he isn't signed just for the under 23s although we yeah. expect him to play predominantly in the under 23s but he is going to integrate him in the first team squad between now and the end of the season and obviously Adrian Silva was completed and, and confirmed yeah. Um, on the opening day of the window. But since then, it's been incredibly quiet in terms of incoming. And Claude Perel admitted last week that he's not close no. to signing anybody. Now, outgoings, there's been an increase in speculation. We know the situation with Slamani and Ujoa. Yep. Uh, it'll be one or the other that will probably move on uh, before the window shuts. Uh, if a deal can be done with somebody for slamani and there's been a, a, lots of interest. Yeah. Um, then they'll probably do that one if Slomani stays and Leo, and there's been even more interest in Leo uh, from several clubs, Crystal Palace is the latest one that's been linked to yep. Villa we know, uh, they're interested and there's several others as well that have expressed an interest to take him on loan that he might go out. <coughs> but the interesting one today was
1: Slomani to Chelsea. Yes, I mean this, I mean, Chelsea's rumoured transfer target list is getting ever more farcical by the second, clearly Antonio Conte is desperate to find a sign a target man and he's been linked over the last week with pretty much every target man in the city Andy Carroll Peter Crouch now Islam Slomani um, Ashley Barnes from Burnley. I mean, I think somebody's having a bit of fun. I think the Undertaker might get linked <laughs> next. <laughs> he's looking for a big target man. But it's, look, the interesting thing is that Slamani isn't really no, a target man. We've, no, we've said this before, haven't we? He's, he's an in-between sort of striker. Yeah, isn't he? he's not.
0: He's not a one that's going to race in him behind like Vardy. But he's not a Leo who's, who stands tall and holds defenders off.
1: No, we've said this before. He looks like he should be a target. Man. He look He has the shape of a target man, but he's not. He isn't really. He's more. He's more of a poacher. He's really just a, a big poacher get in the box, get crosses into the box, slamani ha- will find space and will head the ball into the goal or kick the ball into the goal. Mm. He's not a he's not a back to goal, hit, hit his chest, bring it down, bring Hazard or Willian or Pedro into play. He isn't that kind of striker. So if Conte wants him as a target man, I think he's after the wrong bloke. Mm. Well, they've been linked with Edin Zeko now and I think that's probably more realistic. than Yeah. yeah than but like we say, I think... Slomani's uh, omission from the from the squad raised more questions about his future. Besiktas continued to be linked with him, and I, at some, maybe later on in the window I can see something happening. Yeah, but uh, what
0: about Andy King? Because he's also been yeah. the subject of um, speculation. City's longest-serving uh, player. Uh, fought, found himself outside of the squad now. I mean, he's got so many midfield options now, Puyol. Matty James, did he look like the first choices. Vicente Bora didn't even get in the squad for know, Watford. Yeah. Silver on the bench. Where does that leave Andy King? And is this finally
1: the end for King at City? I don't know. It's a tough one because, being completely honest, he is fifth choice in that list of midfielders, and you would say is some way behind. If, if, if Bora is seen on Saturday as being the, the fourth choice. To be left out of the squad completely after his influential start to the squad, I think he's been excellent. Yeah, he's been. He's been. He's it, kind of like quarterback for mm. that, that calming influence. If he was no injury, though, he was left out just because of competition. If he's if he's the fourth choice, that's left out, and I think Kingy's quite way short of that. So, how much, if there's no injuries or suspensions, I can't see where Andy King is going to get a chance. So it's probably only right that. He's not. He's not that old. I know he's played loads of games, but he's still. You'd say in his in his prime of his career, it would be only right for him to to get some game time. The speculation is Brighton, yeah, are the, the club that want to take him, but it would be. Alone. But then, it would be a loan would be it would be okay. I think if to let him go permanently would be whether it's probably it might be preferential to to Kingy's career. It would be it would be sad. He's been a great servant to exactly. the club, hasn't be, he? be sad. It would be sad to, to to see him not in a Leicester City shirt because he's always he's always said he wants to be a one club man. He's always said I I want to be here for for my whole career. But then if we get to a point where the manager or the squad is at a place where he he is is unlikely to get game time, then he, then he deserves it.
0: Yeah, well we'll see what transpires. It's not long to go now. The transfer window shuts uh, next Wednesday when City are at Everton which is going to make it interesting yeah. they're trying to do deals well there's a game going on I don't know who thought that one up uh, but um, hopefully there'll be some news uh, breaking although we think Slomani and Joa one of those will go right at the wire yeah. uh, I don't think City will do anything too much beforehand they're not in any rush to do so uh, but then, but uh, Puel has admitted that he's finding it hard to manage the number of striking options uh, We'll join us back uh, later this week we'll have another podcast Uh, to discuss the FA Cup trip to Peterborough United, back to London Road. I haven't been there for a few years. No. uh, Because we've been enjoying this Premier League and Champions League adventure. Uh, Go back to the Mercury website and our Facebook page for all the stories or the reaction to the weekend's victory over Watford. Don't forget beer52.com. And we'll see you next time.